the build on that and, and often the principle that we'll use with many business owners and i'm sure many have heard this before is your business is re a reflection of you yeah the way you lead it the way you prioritize and the way that you show up and so you know there's we always if we just respect that you know ultimately we will not be the answer to all things uh we may not have um full clarity on every aspect of our business and that we straight away can then acknowledge that we're likely to become a bottleneck in certain areas and then the, the question is well where do i start to get smarter and creative about how i solve problems now when we're really small we we can't go and hire a three hundred thousand dollar engineer to work on this and a two hundred thousand dollar head of hr you just can't do that right it's, yeah. it's just not how you would solve that type of problem it's not how you would build um, the right strength around you. But to do that well um, is to be open in the first place to know that you don't know everything. Thank you for joining episode 140. 100% of entrepreneurs will be the bottleneck in their business at one point, not once, but several times. The hardest bit, identifying your being one. The easy bit, getting out of it. And that's all about self-awareness. Joining me from Australia is Brad Heisenhuth, the founder and CEO of The Hot Performer, a consultancy service firm dedicated to helping leaders evaluate, develop, and strategically attain their goals. We dive deep into entrepreneurial bottlenecks and the necessity of embracing them. Brad explains the nuances of leadership and how to align strengths with organizational needs. He also touches on the significance of self-awareness and the power of reflection in navigating new entrepreneurial journey and how acknowledging bottlenecks can propel your business forward. While we are on the topic of bottlenecks, I've got the tool for you if you want to assess your own situation. It's called the Bottleneck Index. It's a quick and accurate evaluation tool to identify potential bottlenecks and their impact on your business. Plus, it offers practical solutions to help you overcome them. You can find the link to the Bottleneck Index in the show notes. And now, let's turn to our conversation. Brad and I met once to prepare this podcast episode, and we had a blast. So I'm very much looking forward to this conversation. No pressure, Brad. Welcome to the welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Loren. I uh, that was a very uh, lovely introduction. I, I appreciate. It. We did have a blast. I really I, every time I've had a chat with you the, just before this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> preparation it hasn't been a long relationship, but it's been fun. <laughs> it did it did all right so but going back to the that first meeting you know my show is about the entrepreneur bottlenecks and cracking the entrepreneur bottlenecks of course you said something that i had not heard before you said and i quote bottlenecks are necessary now do you remember why you say that i do remember why i said it's, uh, do you want me to explain why? Yeah. Why, 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 why. <laughs> okay. Bottlenecks aren't nice to have in some yes. cases. Uh, they are very painful to have in your business, um, but they're necessary because we do need a sense of order and structure as our businesses change and evolve, 
right? Mm. So let's consider, like, if we just really simply theorize this, when you're, you start a business, you might have one person, you are the bottleneck. <laughs> you, you, have, you have documented a strategy, everything focuses around you. you. It's necessary because you have to be at that point uh, and work through and navigate to the next stage, which is now I have a, a product market fit and I have some sort of uh, product I'm going to or service I'm going to bring to the market and I'm going to need people and resources and different ways to bring that to life. And so as we evolve, we'll just always identify um, a next problem, a next bottleneck, a next uh, evolution of our, our organizational business. And when we accept that those bottlenecks are necessary and they are likely to present themselves as a result of many things, such as, you know, the environment around us changes and all of a sudden something that was more, that was quite efficient is no longer, now long, no longer efficient, right? Mm -hmm. We saw a lot of that in COVID. COVID forced us to redesign many of our businesses and the way we, we, we attack the market or the way we attack ways of working if we think about um as a business grows you know naturally uh there will be certain functions that need to be broken into parts you know the first hr manager for most organizations is a jack of all trades uh they do all sorts of things they're looking at compliance they're looking at trying to provide some advice around culture they're putting out fires with staff that are you know underperforming they do they're doing everything and then eventually you know they become a bottleneck towards the, the future development of the organization and it, the prioritization around how that role evolves depends on the organization, right? Depends on its priorities, its strategy, its all sorts of things. So once we just accept that bottlenecks are okay, they're necessary, doesn't mean we like them, doesn't mean we want to keep them there. It just, they're just necessary to, to the growth or evolution of a business. Right. It's a, it's a natural, it's a natural growth of, of a business. That's what, mm. that's what you're saying. It's yeah. part, it's part of it. And even yeah. if we're not growing, it's going to happen. Right. Because mm. if we're not growing, well, we might find that we um, create a, a service, we've simplified our business, we have, um, uh, we have removed as much friction as possible. We might have even hired a, a CEO and we're now our, the chairman or chairwoman of our business. Mm. Um, but that business is forever evolving and needing to improve itself to remain relevant in a changing ecosystem and changing marketplace. So even if we don't grow, even, even if we decide that our objective is to maintain uh, the same profit level, the same income, by virtue of the fact that things around us will change, new bottlenecks will start to evolve. Yeah, It just depends on why that would happen. What sort of uh, bottlenecks do you help your client with? I mean, the most common ones. Oh, it's, it's a big question. One of the luxuries I've had, and I've really enjoyed this about our practices journey is that we've worked with corporates and we've worked with SMEs and they do mm -hmm. have subtly different um, concerns naturally because of the, the, the resources available to them and the way that they're, cultures and environments need to develop to maintain a bit of stability at the big end of town. And obviously in the, in the smaller end, the, the ability to be resourceful around, you know, um, solving problems with a lack of resource. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, if I, if I look at the bottlenecks that you'll often see in large organizations, this is around lack of alignment. 
this is around silos that get created between departments and you know we're and not fight clear. against and then fight against each other <laughs> yeah that or we're not clear on how we pull together towards the same direction or we're not clear on priorities and the message and the distribution of the message from the strategy and, the, and its plan and how that all goes throughout the organization or cascades through the business can just be a bit clunky right and yeah. so you know there's different bottlenecks start to evolve around how information gets transferred, how we communicate and collaborate, how we solve problems in a more innovative way, um, particularly when things aren't working as well as they could or as smoothly as they could. And they and that's, again, going back to my point before, that, that they, these things are always a process of prioritization and evolution. I think at the smaller end of town, and this is what we're really enjoying, because over the last few years, we've been working a lot with, with founder owners and helping them through their development as, as I guess, their business advisor. We've got a team that does that, but there's, there's, that's a different beast, right? Often yeah. the first bottleneck you want to look at is the, the owner, the founder, yeah. you know, they, they, they will create uh, bottlenecks or complexities in their business because of their own bias more often than not, right? Where do they feel more comfortable? What do they believe is true about the best way to solve a problem? Um, and that comes down to, well, they bring their own life experiences to the table and the way they've done things before and the way that things have worked historically. And so this pattern of doing certain things very well can also lead to doing other things not so well. Yeah. And uh, happens happens quite a lot where that that's the strength of a, a, an entrepreneur is also their, sometimes their greatest weakness. Yeah, that that's really, really interesting because this is really my, my experience, the experience that I have with entrepreneurs. Mm. Uh, you know, because this, they are my clients, they become the bottleneck. And what I see a lot is uh, most of the time, once you know you are the bottleneck, it's easy to get out of it. Right? Yes. You just you just make a plan. The most difficult part is about finding out, realizing that you are the bottleneck and acknowledging that you are the bottleneck. Because it takes a lot of self-awareness. Mm. And that's what that's what that's what you're saying. Like when you're talking about bias. They they have to realize that they are they are putting they they are bringing their own bias into how they run the company and that's all about emotional intelligence self self awareness, isn't it? Totally, yeah. Look, I think that's very true. And and the build on that and and often the principle that we'll use with many business owners and I'm sure many have heard this before is your business is a reflection of you. Yeah. And the way you lead it, and the way you prioritize, and the way that you show up. And so you know, there's we always if we just respect that. You know, ultimately, we will not be the answer to all things. Uh, we may not have um, full clarity on every aspect of our business, and we straight away can then acknowledge that we're likely to become a bottleneck in certain areas. And then the, the question is, well, where do I start to get smarter and creative about how I solve problems? Now, when we're really small, we, we can't go and hire a $300,000 engineer to work on this and a $200,000 head of HR. You just can't do that, right? It's, yeah. it's just not how you would solve that type of problem. It's not how you would build um, the right strength around you. But to do that well um, is to be open in the first place to know that you don't know everything and to consider solutions from a perspective of um, what is going to give us the greatest rate of return, what's going to give us the greatest probability of success, knowing that I have to lead it, right? knowing yeah. it's, it's the business that right now I might need to be in because of where you know, our journey is. So it's 
it's a very personal question for for everyone because you know Lorentz's strengths and biases are probably very different to mine um and therefore the way our business evolves and the way we lead it might be very different yeah so we're talking about leadership here you know what sort of lead of what sort of leaders do you want to be right how to define yourself well we're talking leadership and management i i think so mm. what's the know, difference for you well the definition that i work with is that leadership is about generating motivation and inspiration in our environment in our people to move towards a future state destination right so mm -hmm. we're always needing to move there and that's an, an emotive component so leadership generates that emotion and and that pro pro promotes progress um management's about creating logic and structure right it's about creating um framework around the way people uh, can make sense of things um, so that they feel safe to progress into those new things. Now that's a very general concept, right? But they coexist. They can't, you can't have one without the other. So I can be a fantastic leader and make you feel fantastic about climbing up the mountain. And Lorraine yeah. gets excited about climbing up the mountain. And, and we forget to talk about bringing our umbrella and our, our walking shoes and, you know, some tools to climb up the steep parts of the mountain and we get halfway and we fail, right? Mm. Um, now, we might be very excited and we might feel very motivated, but we become very loose. On the other end, someone sits there and plans out every tool and bag and everything that gets is required and wants to overmanage the entire, uh, you know, journey up the mountain and they never get anywhere because they're too busy thinking about the bag, packing the bag, right? And so that balance of leadership and management is important. Now, you know, as a leader, who am I as a leader? is very personal, right? I think who am I being to generate that motivation in others? It's very hard to pretend to be someone else. Right. You know, so there are some, in my opinion, and I'm sure you see this with your clients, Lorette, you know, I, I see some leaders that are fantastic at leading from the front. They're absolute knowledge experts in their space. They motivate people because they care more for their customers than anyone else. I see others that are great at corralling teams and groups and, getting the best out of people and making them feel special and heard and understood. Um, you know, yesterday I had a, um, a podcast with, on my side with, in Australia, the founder of Australia's largest privately owned recruitment group. And I had the pleasure of working with that business for a while. Mm -hmm. And I've seen how the, the founder and his core partners have lived being their best selves, like being who they naturally are anyway you know, and, and, and almost amplifying these strengths in the three of them, the three partners and the, the one particular founder um, who ultimately didn't need to be anything more than just who he is and yeah. just lead that to a stronger way, right? Yeah. So, you know, I think there's a lot about the way you lead is about who you, who you naturally are and, and how you can bring that to life. It's a great point what you're what you're saying here because this is something also that I see a lot is that a lot of entrepreneurs they're trying to be someone else they're trying mm -hmm. because they don't know they don't know how to lead you know mm -hmm. they don't know nobody has taught them how to build a company how to manage staff etc et so they're trying to invent this personality uh, and then they create they actually create more more problems <laughs> than than anything else. Yeah. And I often tell them, well, just be who you are. You know, what, what are your values? Because your company is just a vehicle right? that, that conveys your values. This is what, what you were saying earlier on. 
yeah. you are you are your company mm. Mm. but no, go on go on sorry no no i i, I completely agree with you i completely yeah. agree and i wonder when you look at your clients laurent do you see that the your clients can see the strengths and weaknesses in their business as a reflection of their own strengths and weaknesses it's a great point it's not immediately mm. because again it takes self-awareness Mm. Right? And then they're trying to, because they're trying to be someone they are not, uh, most of the time, uh, they don't, they don't, um, they're trying to avoid their weaknesses. They, 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 they're trying to, to leverage on their strength, recruit people that look exactly like them because, you know, same strength. So if I recruit the same people, then things are going to get done the way I want them to be done. <laughs> You know, yeah. forgetting that when they do that, they also recruit people with the same weaknesses. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then the blind spots evolve. But what's interesting, I do think there is a phase and it depends on the type of business that someone's building. But there's certainly yeah. a phase where it can be really helpful to have people that naturally are rowing in the same direction and do bring um, strengths that you might have as well. Um, but you need to amplify, right? Because right. you can't you can't necessarily be everywhere. And uh, there are times I believe that it's great to um, find that in someone else, and and um, it's actually very simple to it's easy to manage them because you understand them, right? Mm-hmm. It's the complexity comes when you realize that some of your biggest gaps require someone that's very different to you, uh, who's prepared to lean into that gap and somehow take you on the journey. <laughs> of understanding all these things that you haven't paid attention to uh, or that you're not good at. Um, yeah. And I've had that in my own business. I'll be very honest. You know, one of the um, pieces that I'm continuously working on is I, I don't enjoy um, repetitive routine tasks. It, it mm. completely breaks me. And uh, But you know, there are things that are, you know, as a business owner, I'm responsible for overseeing. And even the simplicity of turning up to a team meeting regularly, you know, each week um, and talking about, you know, uh, various numbers and our performance and how we're going, to me at times can feel like um, it needs more oomph in it, right? And so I've put people around me now who are better at that and enjoy putting that framework and holding that together for me. And it doesn't mean I don't participate. My job is to help them succeed at that. And I'm really conscious of that. But I also am not the person that's um, that gets excited by it. I don't feel excited by organization. I, I feel excited by helping others organize themselves for some reason, but, but I certainly don't. I don't get excited by, you know, putting, um, uh, think one number one after number two, after number three, right. It's just not my, my style. So I've had it's to a, really, it's, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great point again, because this is, this is one of the symptoms, you know, when you become the bottleneck is that you're doing stuff that you don't enjoy. Sometimes you don't have the choice. You really have to do them. Okay. Uh, that's, you know, especially this, when you start the company, legal, legal stuff, for instance, you have to go through that pain. But as the company, as the company goes, when you feel like, you know, what you were saying, like you don't enjoy doing those tasks and you really like doing them, but it doesn't get you anywhere. You're procrastinating. You know, yeah. this is a sign that you have become the bottleneck usually and maybe it is time that you look at at it you know take a step back 
reflect on that and see if you can delegate that to someone to someone else. But again, it takes consciousness, what you say, self self awareness. Yeah. In your case, you were able to understand that, but yes. for some entrepreneurs, it's very difficult because it's difficult. It's difficult to let go. Well, yeah, it can be very difficult to let go, and there's a degree of perfectionism in some people, and and I think yeah. perfectionism can show up in. It may not be you are holistically are you a perfectionist maybe not but in certain areas you have a, a really uh, strong belief system that you want everything to be accurate right um but one of the things that helped me a lot i am um, and this became more evident recently i interviewed someone on our podcast who became a doctor so not a business owner but a doctor who uh, unfortunately when he was about 25 became a, para, a quadriplegic hmm. so had a car accident Mm. right breaks his back and then after that be, goes through university and becomes a doctor working in emergency ward right oh. and you think about that there's a person with all these limitations yeah yeah and they start to learn how to solve problems very differently but the other thing yeah. that you know i really reflected on for myself is there are some things i call the necessaries right and as you're growing a business there are necessary tasks activities that don't feel good, but if you don't move through them, you're stopping the progress of your business. So for example, acknowledging that I'm not very good at something doesn't feel good, but it's really important. Mm -hmm. And on top of it, acknowledging then that I'm not good at it, I have to keep doing it while I then decide to outsource it or delegate it or redesign that process is another effort. And that's necessary. And when I was reflecting on this story with Dinesh in Australia, who went through this, I started to realize that, you know, the problems that I'm thinking about letting go or being like, people have so many worse problems out there, right? We're business owners with the privilege of actually being in business, of actually having more often than not, once you've you know gone through that sort of startup phase, more often than not, you know, have a great service and a great product and probably good people that can help you grow your business and all these resources around you. And you're not a quadriplegic that has to think about how they put their shirt on in the morning. Yeah. Right. More often than not, I'm not saying every one of your listeners will have this problem, but it really resonated with me that it's okay just to be okay with it and just be, to see it as a necessary part of the journey. And mm. I got really comfortable with myself, but I think for others, it can be really helpful to, to when, when you compare what it feels like to let go, to actually compare it to something that's, you know, sometimes we take for granted. It's letting go is actually easier than you think. Indeed. Indeed. How much time do you uh, do you spend reflecting on your journey? Oh, I don't. I try not to reflect on the past. I, I try to reflect on where, I, where, where I'm going in the short term, you know, mm. where I'm going next. So I think going back to my past, uh, isn't always that helpful simply because, you know, I have gone through that phase in my life where I've reflected on who I am and why, why I'm, why I do what I do and what my biases are and why they've come out. Where I get to now is well, knowing who I am. Why, why am I looking at this in a certain way? What am I looking at the next couple of weeks or the next few months? And what am I, how might I be, might I need to show up? differently or how do I need to to attack this in a way that's sensible right and I'm much more conscious of that these days before um, I would have gone into situations um, and it's funny because I 
have worked with clients on this, but I still have my own biases and behaviors that I have to manage, but I would have gone into the past say, well, I'm a bit, you know, I, I it's all in my head. I, I, people will come along with me. They know I'm a good communicator. They'll, they'll follow me along. Right. And it'll all work out. It'll always yeah. work out, you know, yeah. and my, my weakness was, you know, going back to my point before around not putting in, um, you know, the right structures or the detail is I would give really talented people, um, you know, almost a, um, you know, a license to go and, you know, solve a problem and not give them a lot of support because I believed in them. And uh, I'd often, you know, I'd often find that they wouldn't kind of live up to the expectations that I had. And there was a little, a little bit of misalignment and that that led to them letting me down or letting the, the situation down. And not every time, not all the time, but you'd, I'd notice it from time to time. And it just came, it came it, my biggest learning in that was just being more sensible about planning you know, with people and being more specific about the logic and the support that they require, which it might be unique to them. And then being more systematic in my business over time, you know, being clearer mm. about the systems that support it, right? And being more deliberate about um, the things that work and the if, if they want my support or the business's support, then we've got to roll in, the, roll in the same direction. So I was probably a bit loose for a while. But that reflection, yeah, I, it's it's very much more about um, now that I know where I'm going, what have I got to watch out for? Mm. I I want to ins I want to talk a little bit more about self reflection because it's something that I see a lot of entrepreneurs don't do enough. Do, do you use Do you use any tools? I use, for instance, I used to do like a lot of journaling to understand to to understand myself better, especially yeah. when it comes to to how to handle my emotions. Mm -hmm. uh, now I, it's more like. Uh, when I walk, when I, when I walk the dog, for example, we're talking about that stuff before we started record, recording. Yeah, yeah. Do, do, do you do you block times in your calendar, and do you have any tools? Oh, look, I, I block times for for different things and investment in myself. Mm. Um, I, w I haven't described anything as reflection per se. I mean, I definitely invest in myself, and you know, put time for health and sport, and make sure I'm very clear about not letting those things too often they sometimes slip but i try to really manage myself there but one thing i do do that i find very powerful for me when it comes to reflection is i'd like to have someone else in that process with me where i can so i've you know it's interesting we we have one key arm of our business which is a business advisory practice i mm. employ a, my own advisor yeah you know it's great for me and, and the relationship is not just business, it's business and Brad and the business of Brad, right? <laughs> so, yeah. so I get the chance to reflect and, and, and step back. So each week, I before I go into that discussion, I sit down and look at what happened that week and look at what's going to happen next week. And I have a little look at how well I'm going and how I rated the week and why I rated it that way and why I felt mm. so and um so that habit of doing that regularly for me has been um great like it's really kept me very focused um and it's allowed me often what happens in many cases particularly if i'm a little bit frustrated or something hasn't you know kind of gone to plan which you know as everyone any entrepreneur listening to this they know that's pretty regular right um you know i get the chance to reframe it right? yeah and that's that's the best thing i need is sometimes space to reframe a problem as an opportunity you know, I would say someone might, we might let go of someone from the business you know? mm -hmm. and, I, and my brain goes, oh, that's so annoying because we've got to rehire, we've got to find someone. Yeah. 
or do we do we keep going down that path or you know and then all the you know the stories play out right and that reflection chance of when i get the pause on it gives me a often gives me the ability to say right how do i see this as an opportunity to be better right how do i see this as a chance to learn and that's been difficult and i've had great mentors and and and, and you know advisors over the years that have really supported me and that hold me to account and mm-hmm. give me a kick um, when i need it um, <laughs> yes you know there's that's been to be fair really helpful yeah the power of coaching you describe it very very well yeah. from a coach from a coach perspective exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. well my one of the other things I, i don't know about you Lorette, but i find it very hard to sell something i don't believe in right? yeah so if i believe in and i should be using it and yeah so i'm yeah i bought i've I think it's been seven, six years I've had someone in that role. Very nice. Thank you, thank you for, for, for sharing that. Uh, I always enjoy when people talk about coaching or mentoring or advising, whatever, whatever you want to talk, whatever talk you want to call it. Yeah. To call it. But it's more, you said it's it, to talk about the business and Brad. I think it's more to talk about Brad first and then the business. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, I'll be honest. Um, there are times where working on Brad too much is just, it, it's, you know, I've done the work, right? I've yeah. just got to push on and I can't, um, there's, 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 there's a sense of responsibility you've got to start taking. You've done the work, you know it, you know yourself. Now you've got to lean into it, right? And so sometimes there's why is your, why are your thought patterns? Why are you playing out? What are we playing out against this situation? Right? That's I think that's quite healthy in the present, but it it shouldn't be therapy for me. Mm. And my view is there's there might be a little bit of therapeutic benefit to exploring and you know visioneering and getting purpose about who you want to be and and I really pay out and I've been through that phase and I've really like I still remember an exercise one of my my long-term coach did with me was put yeah Brad of the future in one hand and Brad now in the other hand and start to look at them and observe them and see how they stand and what they're wearing and how they're showing up and then realizing that yeah, we put this moment when it was like a visualization exercise where Brad one would go and sit next to Brad two and it would become the same person. The point is you are that person already. You just need to decide to become who you want to become. And I still remember that exercise um, very vividly um, because it made such a difference and it's motivated me to stay very conscious. But that, that work for me now is, you know, I I don't need as much of that. I need more, um, you know, sometimes it's a little bit more tactical. It's about, Mm -hmm. okay, great. All right. We're coming here now. I want a sense, you know, what I value is that sense of, all right, I think this is the right decision. Can I play it back off you? And if you were my coach, Laurent, what do you think? You know, I'm thinking A, B, and C. Yeah. And you're and you're putting a principle back to me and you're you're throwing throwing a few darts at it and saying, does it oh, doesn't seem doesn't seem solid, you know, or you know, why are you so concerned about it, Brad? You know, that sort yeah. of conversation, you know, and I yeah. find that I find that really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a, some of the conversations I have also with clients because they want that they want you to be part to be part of it, and they want my advice, and they want my not my advice, but at least my my feedback, my view on on their 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 thoughts. Yeah. Um, why did you become an entrepreneur? The honest answer, well, there's a few answers to that. There's never one answer, you know that. Um, <laughs> there's all this like combination of drivers, I think. Um, but for me, a few things. So I spent, you know, time in a career 
where I was an employee and I eventually you know, went into a you know, senior role and I actually worked for two founders of a business that were, you know, I was quite, um, I looked up to them. I, I valued what they provided for me. Yeah. Um, but I also fell out of love with making someone else really wealthy. Um, and so I also probably felt that I wasn't reaching my potential. Hmm. Um, so there was a little bit of, you can do more than this. You know, you can, you can make a bigger dent in the world. You can find a different way. So there was, there was that. So there's almost like a, you know, moving away from not wanting to be this person that was stuck in a box for someone else making, making their business successful and realizing that I might be able to do something like that myself. So it was almost like a self challenge. Um, and, uh, and I think, um, you know, probably growing up, one of the best things that motivated me when people telling me that, you know, something's challenging because I often found myself very attracted to those sorts of opportunities. I found, I still remember I was, I was quite, uh, focused on sport as a kid, but I also tried to be very academic. I, try, I viewed um, achievement in, in, in my academics as important, but not not a measure of who I was. So whereas the sport was like, you know, it was cool, it was fun. Mm. I ended up doing very well and, you know, had, had, a, had a great, you know, time in, in my, my sporting career. But one of the teachers said to my parents, they said, oh, I don't think Brad should do, uh, in Australia, it's called four unit maths or extension two maths, which is basically the highest level of maths in, in high school. And, um, and basically said, oh, look, I think he's got too much on his plate. I, I don't think he should overwhelm himself. Right. And as soon as they said that to my parents, <laughs> my dad said, oh, look, Mrs. So-and-so said this to you. I said this about you. How do you feel about it? And I said, well, if that's the case, I'm doing it. <laughs> Just because. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll prove it wrong. And I'll yeah. tell you what, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll probably top the class. So... I was proud enough that 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 sort of stuff for some reason motivates me. And I, I, you know, there's probably reasons in my childhood that I needed to prove myself or whatever. And there's a, you know, moments of experience that shaped that in me. And maybe there's a bit of my DNA that makes me that way as well. But um, yeah, I, I just, that's who I am. So being an entrepreneur is, is, has been a lot about achievement, about realizing my identity, about making a dent in the world, about not being boxed in about being able to use my creative juices, about being able to, um, yeah, make something of, of life. And how was the Odd Performer born? Well, the Odd Performer started as, to be fair, a bit of a disaster. Um, <laughs> okay. It's, uh, it, was, it was a, uh, a great idea that didn't get off the ground. But mm. um, basically, I was um, working with a lot of CFOs in my previous job and... I had seen a massive gap around mentorship and around the development of people in corporate environments or, or employment environments, right? They, they just solved problems around their career development in a very strange way. They would wait for things to happen for them. They wouldn't use their any entrepreneurial spirit. It would yeah. almost be a case of ticking a box and assuming that things will happen. Um, and that's not how careers break careers work. I ended up writing a book on that, you know, before I, when I was in my job, um, looking at the development of becoming a CFO. So I decided to you know, create a platform where people could get introduced to CFOs, 
or other senior executives as mentors. And it, I focused on this, this particular niche and, um, and that platform would allow you to get access to, you know, interviews and discussions that we'd have each week with these people. And, you know, you'd be able to be, you know, you tap them on the shoulder and they'd be open to having a handful of mentors and had all these fantastic things. And of course that back then building a platform was extremely expensive. Um, mm. and, and we had a few challenges and uh, I went out and started with a business partner who decided three or four months after we went live that it was all too hard to be a, you know, a, uh, an entrepreneur and yeah. we had some investors and I sat down with them and they said some words to the effect of, well, if he's still here and involved, we're not putting another cent in when I'm not supporting you. And I said, I'll tell you what, I'll turn this thing into a high cash business. I reckon I could build a consulting business. I've got lots of relationships. I, uh, I'm very passionate about solving some of these problems. I know people have these particular problems. They're very open with me about them. I've got relationships that in the consulting and facilitation space, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to pay you back. That's what I said. Mm. So going back to the challenge, my view was you, from an integrity point of view, you've backed me. I'm not going to let you down. Now that in hindsight, that was probably silly because I could have just walked away and started again and not paid them back and just start another company, but I didn't. And, um, and I had a bit of an attachment to doing what I thought was the right thing. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, yeah, my, I put my mind to it and I said, I went out and spoke to people and said, instead of seeing me as a consulting practice, I want you to see me as someone that can facilitate you know, a great solution. I've got contacts and, you know, I know a lot about these problems. I've been in this space for a long time. Um, how about we look at the problem differently and, um, yeah, got it, got a got to go with a, some very high profile organizations. And one of them that at the time was, uh, we did a small, well, it wasn't a huge piece of work. We did a piece of work with uh, PepsiCo down in Australia mm-hmm. and, uh, that particular project landed us getting the education and training program of the year down here in Australia um, for that piece of work. And uh, all it was based on was this idea or notion that when you develop, when you introduce learning and development, your goal is to help someone change their performance. That's why you yeah. help them learn, right? Yes, of course, it's great stimulation and it's great for them to retain information and knowledge, but your goal is to help them change. So really what we want to do is instead of seeing this as a workshop or uh, something to learn we see this as a series of moments to change our performance and we applied it against this particular scenario of, or capability we're looking to develop and we called it agile learning right so what's mm-hmm. the what's the way that you would uh, attack this problem and, and now if we attack it this way what are we learning and what how is it, what else do we need to learn now to continue evolving uh, towards this great sort of high performing state and so as a concept, it kind of landed and, and that's why we started to transition into change consulting, right? We moved into right. this idea of changing performance of a situation because all of the, the foundational components around human behavior changing, leadership and management, and, and ultimately, you know, fixing the things that aren't working that support that whole infrastructure changing. So we got really good at that very quickly. Um, and um, yeah, like it's funny, right? But we went from that and doing that with teams and 
groups and businesses and all of a sudden then we're able to do that in technology and support people at businesses with changing and diagnosing how they adopt technology more effectively and then we're doing that from a whole business strategy point of view and it's just sort of snowballed from there so it's very organic in some respects um but it's been a awesome ride amazing all right it's time for my favorite question i always end up the podcast with this this question if you take all your experience and you summarize it into one practical recommendation for other entrepreneurs, what would it be? Prioritize leaning into the thing that is most painful. Okay, now you have to uh, explain a bit more. <laughs> so usually where there's pain, there's a relationship with that pain, right? Mm -hmm. So there's like a need on the other side of it. So usually on the other side of the pain is a, is a really good place to be. Right. And um, whether that's you as a person, whether that's around um, the way the business is functioning, um, usually the like the, the relationship between the pain and the desired result, they, they, they correlate. Right. The higher the pain, the more we want something. Yeah. So when you notice that pain and you're getting frustrated or you're, you're, you've got some sort of emotional response to it, you're feeling either really anxious or really annoyed or um, really concerned about it that's telling you you need to lean into it and you've got to get close to it and you've got to understand it and you've got to care about it and you've got to make it your friend. And when you make it your friend, the chances of it actually changing are going to be very high and the chances of you getting on the other side of being better for it will be very high. So my best example of that was, you know, when I was so frustrated with um, that situation where my business partner had moved on, mm -hmm. you know, I knew that business was going to fail. We couldn't get the funding. We had all these complications leaning into the fact that that pain and that problem was actually by solving, it was going to be the best thing for me. Right. And, and I could have walked away, but all my success came as a result of owning it. Yeah. Um, if I look at every time we've gone through a little growth phase, it's been leaning into the thing that felt scary or felt painful or felt annoying, right? So that's my version of it. If I bottle up my experiences, it's possibly not the only piece of advice people need, but it's just, for me, it has been really powerful. I can hear the sports person in you talking. <laughs> <laughs> because pain is really relevant to uh, sports people. Well, Laurent, you know it. You're, you're a yeah. crossfitter. Right, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, you get half through way through a ward, and you say, "I don't want to be here." Yeah, and not even when, before you start. You know, it's going to be painful. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's exactly what you're saying. You know, it's going to be painful, but you know, at the end, when you are going to finish it, not only you feel proud of yourself, but you know, you would have, you know, progressed. Yeah, and you know Amazing. it from a sporting point of view. You, you, you've. This, for some reason, you're just that little bit stronger next time. Yeah. 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 Mentally, too. Mm. Yeah. Cool. One last question. How can people contact you? Uh, you can get me at brad at theoutperformer.co. That's my email. Uh, you might find that one of my team answers it, but you will get in touch with me. Also, LinkedIn's really cool. Um, so I tend to put a bit on LinkedIn um so you should find me there and you'll find me on the podcast if you want to uh search up our podcast real talk without performance uh fairly similar to Laurent. so if you like this sort of discussion um slightly different but uh you probably find my face there quite a bit amazing thank you very much bright for your time today mate it's been a pleasure and uh thanks for the great work you're doing for the entrepreneurial community it's uh it's really good mate cool
Love it. Thank you for listening. If you haven't done so already, please leave me a five-star review, especially if you enjoy this podcast. Go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash interviews podcast and follow the simple instructions. It only takes a minute. I'll see you next time. Bye for now.